0: by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord Amen
1: Thanks
2: for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is The Good News
0: Show. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to this Labor Day edition of The Good News Show. I am Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is uh, one of the producers of this show since it's pre-recorded. Cecil has been working on it as well. And so this is all pre-recorded, no reason to call in, uh, and we have three very different but related topics that we're going to talk about today. So first of all, of course, we're pre-recording this, but uh, Diane, uh, when this runs, it's going to be Labor Day, and do you have plans? Do you know what you're doing, quote, today?
3: Um, I just think hanging out with family and friends, uh, keep our social distancing with friends, but just get together or maybe do a barbecue or something. How about you?
0: Yeah, well, I, I'll be waking up this morning or I will have already woken up this morning uh, over at my sister and her husband's farm out uh, up north of uh, the Metroplex. So I don't know what I'm doing exactly now. Probably listening to this show. That's probably what I'm doing right now. But anyways, I hope you and everybody has a very happy Labor Day and, uh, and we all need a rest. This has been a crazy year, as we've talked about many times. And so, here's uh, what we're doing during this program. Uh, everything that we're talking about today has a connection to life, which is the most important uh, issue, the most important topic, because without life, uh, well, we, we're not alive, right? At the end of the show, very, very serious topic, uh, our friend uh, Augustina, who I've interviewed a number of times, is going to be joining us on the phone to talk about the crisis in Nigeria. Now, this is really serious because Christians are being killed there. Uh, Augustina, or Tina, as she goes by, is from Nigeria, and it's on her heart, obviously. She has friends. She has friends. She has relatives back there, and so she's going to give us a little wake-up call. It's never, um, you know, fun to hear about this stuff, but it's necessary that we pray and uh, do what we can in our little spheres of influence to at least bring awareness to uh, the genocide that's going on in various parts of the world. In Nigeria is what we'll talk about. And in the second segment, uh, a wonderful priest from the Archdiocese of St. Louis by the name of Father Peter Fonseca is going to join us. Remember last week on Monday in our live show, we had Michael George on, uh, Father Jason Cargo uh, from St. Joseph's in Richardson, talking about an event that the Catholic Foundation is putting on, focusing on the end-of-life issues. Well, Father Peter Fonseca is a really engaging priest, and uh, you would think that, you know, talking about end-of-life issues would not be all that interesting. Well, I've already recorded the interview, so I've already done it, but uh, it's, it's really interesting, and he's a very engaging priest, so I think you're going to enjoy that uh, very much. That's coming up in about 20 minutes here on The Good News Show. Our first segment, again, related to life, is about um, supporting women in crisis pregnancies, saving lives... And doing what we can to support the local organizations that uh, are part of that mission. And you are probably very familiar with the White Rose and St. Joseph's helpers. They've been around for 35 years. And I have in studio with me. We're recording the interview with uh, Julie Eichelman, who is the director of the White Rose Women's Center. And she has been in that position for about two years. Uh, she came in today with her little baby boy, six weeks old. Uh, Gabriel Luke is his name. So, uh, Julie, congratulations on, on the new baby. Thank you. Thank you. This is your second child, right? Yes. Okay, congratulations. It was nice to see him, even though he was all bundled up. He looked like he was very comfortable. Uh, And also, I want to thank uh, Tony Sabetti for being here as well. He's from uh, St. Paul the Apostle Parish in Richardson, past president of the men's club there. And he is the chairman of an event called the White Rose Golf tournament. I think I got that name right. And uh, they've been doing this for 20 years and it's going on Friday, October 23rd. And so Tony, thanks for coming in to to highlight this and hopefully some listeners want to be involved.
4: Yeah, thanks, Dave. We're uh, really excited about the tournament coming up in October, as you said, on the 23rd uh, out in Garland, Texas. And uh, hopefully some of your listeners are motivated to either sign up and play or even just sponsor or donate.
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll tell you all about that in just a second. Again, Friday, October twenty third, it's going to be at the Firewheel Golf Course in Garland, uh, the Lakes Course, four man scramble. And of course, I'm, I'm sure women can play as well. Man, you know, <laughs> uh, food and drinks during plays. So we'll talk specifically about that and how everybody can get involved. But first of all, Julie, let's talk about the White Rose. It's been around for thirty five years. And a uh, little bit about the purpose, the mission. You've been there for two years, but what 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 is the mission of the White Rose?
5: So, the mission of the White Rose is dedicated to saving lives. So, we are committed to. Um, bringing it, attracting the abortion by the client to bring her in, educate her about the reality of abortion and help her choose life from there on. But it doesn't end there because that we provide support for her in material assistance, spiritual assistance and emotional in any capacity of assistance that she may need. All the way up through kindergarten. And usually by that time, the woman is ready to go and be successful on her own. Mm -hmm. So we do have about 2,000 unique clients every single year. This year has proven to be no different. Even with COVID, we've seen an actual increase in abortion-minded women because with the baby – boom, that's coming. Um, All the babies that were conceived during the shutdown, some of them were not wanted. (laughs) Hmm.
0: So So, you're saying the shutdown, more people in home, I guess don't have to get into all the details, but more babies being conceived, which is always a good thing. But like you say... Uh, many of the women are making a decision it's the seeming that they they can't handle the baby or it's not the right timing for them,
5: right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So we've seen an influx of abortion-minded women, so it's extra important that we're there to help them understand that this is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that a life is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So we do have the, we have a Magdalene program, which is founded in memory of, in honor of Mary Magdalene, because we hope to show the same love and mercy that Christ bestowed upon her. So we we have that mentoring and support program for them. We also also offer a well woman clinic where the women who don 't test positive for pregnancy can come in and get a well woman exam, including you know the breast exam pelvic exam, pap smear as well as STd testing and all of this is free mm-hmm. so everything we do is free and of course, we give out the standard diapers' wipes you know clothing. To, to the women who need help. But we rely on donations and from very generous supporters like the St. Paul Men's Club in order to keep our bills paid every single month.
0: Yeah. How How are things different in 2020? I know there's social distancing and people probably wearing masks and, and all that. So how have you adjusted and how are things different? You said the, the, the need is, if anything, increased. And so you've right. got a lot of, of women coming through. But how have you had to adjust this year?
5: Well, um, We during the actual shutdown of the Dallas area, we provided support more remotely. Mm -hmm. So we provided it where they, we weren't having actual physical contact with them, you know, but we still were able to get them all the things that they needed to be successful, as well as we kept in touch with all of our clients via like email and phone calls to check in on them because the vast majority of our clients are single moms and have no other means of support. Mm -hmm. So they could, we were concerned about them feeling, isolated and lonely Um, and then of course when things kind of reopened in the dallas area then we were able to welcome them back into the (gasps) into the actual building with us Um, but we are taking we are still taking clients we don't turn any clients away because you know god sent them to us for a reason Mm -hmm. so yeah we are
0: Yeah, but when your predecessor, Christina Kane, I got to know her very well and interviewed her a a number of times. And I know, you know, there were others before her as well. And I'm just curious, and I know you and I have uh, spoken before, but why, why from a personal standpoint, because this, you know, this is going to be a difficult job. You're dealing with life and death decisions, and it's got to take an emotional toll and you're a mother of two young children. So why, why is it important for you personally to do what you do?
5: I fell in love with the, I grew up knowing pro-life with my parents raised us to be very pro-life that mm-hmm. abortion is never the answer for anything. Um, but it became very personal for me when I suffered multiple miscarriages myself. And I didn't understand how, you know, when you're suffering the loss of a miscarriage as a mother, you're feeling so helpless that this child has died and there's nothing you could have done to save the baby. And it's, I just didn't understand how someone could willingly choose to do that Mm -hmm. because it causes so much physical and emotional pain, even for a natural miscarriage that you have no control over, but for someone to go conscientiously cause that, it just goes against mother nature. It yeah. just goes, it violates the natural law mm-hmm. that God has intended. So there's, you know, I knew that there's got to be some reason behind why these women are choosing to have an abortion. And there is, that's usually just like the bandaid that they see to mm-hmm. fix their root problems. Yeah. So coming in and helping them see that there's other options than just, You know, an abortion is never going to solve your real problems. You know, like, for example, you know, the, the, the father of the baby is not wanting to be a father. Well, he doesn't, you know, you can do this on your own, you know, but having an abortion is not going to solve the real problem at, at hand. So yes, it became personal for me due to my, due to my own experiences and seeing that that's not the way God intended life to be.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Yeah, my wife and I have uh, experienced five miscarriages. In fact, one time, and I remember I've told this story before, but uh, we went over to the White Rose because they were allowing uh, ultrasounds of even non-abortion-minded um, people. And uh, I think we uh, um, maybe gave a donation or what have you. And so one of the, the babies that ended up um, being miscarried, we saw on the ultrasound there at the White Rose. And, of course, the, the baby didn't make it. But So we have that connection with the White Rose. Uh, Julie Eichelman joins uh, me, director of the White Rose Women's Center and uh, also St. Joseph Help, Helpers as well. And she mentions... Everything's free, but nothing's really free because the money has to be there to provide all the services. And she uh, transitioned very nicely into really the main thing that we're talking about today is this golf tournament at Firewheel Golf Course in Garland, Friday, October uh, 23rd. And uh, the information can be found at stpaulmc.org. That stands for the St. Paul Men's Club, St. Paul, stpaulmc.org. And their past president and also the chairman of this golf Golf Tournament uh, joins us now. Tony Sabetti from St. Paul the Apostle Parish in Richardson. Welcome again. Thanks, <laughs> so, Dave. Tell us about this. It's uh, been going on 20 years. Have you been involved most of those years, all of them, or, or how did you get involved? Uh, I got involved uh, through the St. Paul Men's Club. Yeah.
4: Um, joined that uh, probably 10 years ago. And um, I've been passionate about golf all my life and passionate about pro-life all my life. So uh, it was just natural for me to get involved in the the golf tournament mm-hmm. and uh, we had some great leadership uh, for that tournament over the years. You know, when it began twenty years ago, we I think we raised two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> you know and uh, in the last couple of years, we've been able to donate uh, upwards of forty forty thousand uh, yeah. dollars to the White Rose each year for their primarily used for their operating budget. So mm-hmm. as you said, nothing's free. Um, so we're proud to be able to contribute because
0: the work they do there is fantastic. I love this on that website. Uh, fun, casual event for players at all skill skill levels, and that we, takes a little pressure off, right? So anybody can anybody can play. You don't have to be, yeah. This you know, is Jordan Spieth, right? Right. This is not
4: a serious golfer tournament. I mean, yeah. we do get some very good golfers, and they enjoy themselves. But this is really an opportunity for people to come out and have fun. Uh, and contribute to a cause that they think is very important to them. So we do have um, players of all ages. Um, You know, we have a lot of players in their 70s and 80s that come out and uh, have a great time. And we've got uh, young kids as well. And um, we've designed it as a four-man scramble. So you put a team together and, um, you know, everybody – hits the ball from the same spot on every shot. So it's a lot of fun and you get some great scores and uh, it, uh, this year is going to be a little different, mm-hmm. uh, but we normally have a very wonderful time
0: uh, socializing with everybody. Yeah, Let's talk about, uh, you're looking for players, you're looking for sponsors, donors. Uh, yeah. Just kind of maybe take a, a minute for each one of those and say how people that are listening right now can help in the various ways. Sure. If you love to play golf, then you can go
4: sign up at our website, www.stpaulmc.org. You'll find a big banner that uh, has the golf tournament. Click on that, and it walks you through the registration process. You can register as an individual player, or you can register a foursome together. We've got discounts for people over 65 uh, years of age as well. Um, if you're interested in sponsoring, uh, you can go to that same website, and there are a number of sponsorship levels, You know, starting uh, at the low end of the spectrum, about $200 for a whole sponsor. And going on up to twenty five hundred dollars for our diamond sponsorship, um, so those are ways in which you can sponsor but uh, this year you know things are different we don't have as many social events during the mm-hmm. tournament, so we don't have as much opportunity to raise additional funds during the event and that usually is about eight or nine thousand dollars that we raise the day of mm-hmm. uh, and we're looking to close that gap through donations okay so if Folks that are interested uh, could go to that same website and go to the same information about the tournament. You can see a donation button that you can click on, pay with credit card, and make a donation that goes straight to the White Rose. All right. To
0: stpaulmc.org. So S T P A U L M C dot org. Again, that stands for Saint Paul Men's Club dot org. You can also search Facebook for White Rose Golf Classic. And it's a lot of fun and a lot of different ways to, to support it. Um, a fun casual event again, Friday, October 23rd, beginning at eight o'clock in the morning, goes till noon and, uh, four man scramble, food and drink during place. So, uh, again, that, that's, um, uh, uh really great. And I like the fact that if you're an individual, you'll, you'll put them with a, a yeah. group. So you don't have to find three other people. It just, just it's register, you want. Yeah, register right.
4: one, two, three, or four people. We'll sort it all out
0: for yeah. you. Yeah. You say it's fun, but you also have some good golfers. Is it somewhat competitive? Do people still, oh, yeah. you know, there's still a winner, right? There uh, is still a
4: winner. We give yeah. prizes for first and second place. And, you know, they are usually pretty good golfers that mm-hmm. come through and win those. We also give us. A prize for the most honest foursome as well uh
0: so does that imply that there are some that aren't honest <laughs> well, how, how do you determine honesty uh by the highest score yeah oh so okay oh, okay. that's yeah. another way of saying yeah. you're very honest but not a very good golfer right
4: Well, <laughs> we wanted to highlight their most uh, important quality which right. is their honest
0: thing. okay yeah. participation uh, medal right
4: <laughs> i also wanted to just mention you know yeah. this this um This tournament has uh, been put together by the men's club and driven by the men's club, but it has evolved into a parish-wide effort from Mm -hmm. St. Paul's. We have the Women's Guild and, of course, the Knights of Columbus that do a lot of work uh, for us during the tournament as well. So just wanted to shout out to everybody that's involved.
0: Yeah, and you also mentioned before we started recording about something the Knights of Columbus did in 2017. Do you want to highlight that? Sure.
4: It was a fantastic opportunity. The Knights of Columbus National Council had a matching funds program, uh, so every dollar we raised at the White Rose Tournament in 2017 was matched by the National uh, Knights of Columbus Council, and that allowed uh, the White Rose to purchase four ultrasound uh, pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. So
0: very, oh. it was really a great year. Yeah, the Knights do a lot, a lot of great work. And so, all right, Tony, thank you so much. I want to uh, just remind you this is the Labor Day Good News Show. It's pre-recorded, but uh, Tony and Julie Eichelman. Uh, came into studio and we recorded this uh, on uh Thursday uh, of this past week and we're talking about the 20th and year that the White Rose Golf Classic has been going on it's going to be Friday October 23rd 2020 a lot of money more than $250 like that first time is being raised we're talking about uh, potentially tens of thousands of dollars and so Julie how how will the money be used in a very concrete way to to save lives and help help mothers and families
5: well, with White Rose, we are predominantly volunteer-based organizations. So mm-hmm. I'm the director and I'm the only full-time staff member. Um, I have five part-time staff members and over 55 dedicated volunteers. That means they don't get paid. Yeah. So this keeps my administrative costs to an absolute bare minimum. Um, and I am very tight with all the rest of the money for the operating budget so that as much of the dollars going back to support these women as possible can be spent. So our administrative costs are around 10% every single year, which is incredibly low, um, over 53% of all the money coming in goes straight towards you know, our clients. And of course, with we have walk-in based clients. So we don't make appointments. They can just come on in as soon as they can. So you never know how many God are going to send to us each day. Mm-hmm. So um, that allows for us to be able to accommodate the many, many clients that we have every single year. Okay.
0: Well, obviously, we want uh, the main reason for this interview is for people to get involved in this golf classic on Friday, October 23rd. Again, the website stpaulmc.org, as in St. Paul, mcmensclub.org or search facebook white rose golf classic and get involved be a sponsor be a donor be a player uh what are the other needs uh maybe even unrelated to the golf tournament you need volunteers you need well what else how can else can people help you pray for you what else can
4: people we
5: do? do need more volunteers okay um they can feel free to contact me directly um We also need more people to continue to pray for White Rose. We have dedicated people that pray every single day on a prayer chain. Um, and we're always looking, I mean, we're always looking for more volunteers to come help and we are always looking for more material needs when we run out.
0: All right, and uh, happy 35th anniversary to you! And thank so, you. Yes. and of course, uh, congratulations on uh, Gabriel Luke, your uh, yes. your new baby, who uh, is is cheering you on on the other side of the glass. There, yes, I thank think. you. <laughs> uh, Julie Eichelman is director of the White Rose Women's Center, and uh, a general website for people if they want to learn about St. Joseph's Helpers or White Rose, where should they go?
5: They could just simply go to St. Okay. If you Google St. Joseph's Helpers, that'll get you straight to it.
0: All right. And and uh the other very important website is uh stpaulmc.org just spell it s t p a u l m c.org and that's where you'll find all the information about the Friday October 23rd Golf Classic benefiting White Rose at the Firewheel Golf Course in Garland. Tony, thanks again for coming in as well, and for all your support of White Rose. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah. So the uh, we're gosh uh, a third through our good news show here on Labor Day, and as I mentioned later on in the program, we're going to talk about the. The genocide in Nigeria—it's not a not a pleasant topic—but uh, Augustina from uh, the the Fort Worth Diocese is going to join us. It's very near and dear to her heart because uh, she's from Nigeria. Coming up next, uh, Father Peter Fonseca talking about uh, his upcoming live stream event uh, for with the Catholic Foundation, talking about end of life issues. So, very very quick break, and we'll be back with Father Peter Fonseca right after this. The Diocese of Fort Worth invites all men to a Curcio Weekend Retreat from Thursday, October 15th through Sunday, October 18th at the Diocesan Formation Center in Fort Worth. The Curcio Weekend Men's Retreat is a time to learn more about the Catholic faith, develop a deeper relationship with Christ and other men, and it's a way to keep these relationships alive and vital for the rest of one's life. For more information, please contact English Curcio Lay Director Chris Flemister at 682-314-9917.
1: Hello, this is Larry Linsen. David Walker and I represent Catholic Life Insurance in the North Texas area and are proud to support the mission of Catholic Radio and KATH 910 AM. We'd like the opportunity to explain the different insurance and retirement products offered by Catholic Life Insurance. If you have questions about your life insurance or retirement savings, we can be reached at our Catholic Life office by calling 972-484-3000. That's 972-484-3000. Thank you.
0: Very happy to have on the phone with me now, Father Peter Fonseca from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And he is going to be a speaker in the free four-part live online webinar series that we talked about last Monday when Michael George from the Catholic Foundation was in studio with me and I also had Father Jason Cargo on the phone and Father... Cargo gave a really good update on his own health situation and really his (laughs) near-death experience of uh, the condition that he was treated for earlier this year. And as we mentioned, Father is going to be the speaker on September 14th for these live webinar series. And so today we are introducing you to Father Peter Fonseca, as I mentioned, from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. He serves as both the parochial administrator and also the uh, Director of Continuing Formation of Priests for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And his presentation is going to be Monday, September 21st, 7 to 8 p.m., as they all are. And he'll be talking about principles of Catholic bioethics, quality of life, and the dignity of the human person. And so we welcome to the program, Father Peter Fonseca. Father, thanks for taking some time with us. Welcome. Welcome.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a joy to join you guys for this radio show, and I'm looking forward to the presentation in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah. You know, Michael George was bragging about you when I spoke uh, off the air earlier today in speaking to him, and he said, oh, Father is just an amazing speaker, and he could make anything interesting. And um, I'm guessing this topic is something that uh, is is hard to talk about, uh, and I guess not interesting as much as really important for people to come and hear because they may This might be the kind of topic that they'd want to. Well, I don't think I'm ready to talk about this now because it's it's kind of an uncomfortable topic, isn't it?
2: It certainly is an uncomfortable topic. I mean, the reality is we make plans for all kinds of things in our life, um, but death is one of those things that is certain in our life, and for some reason we sort of shy away from making those plans but I have to say the plans pay off. And just having the discussion, you don't have to figure out all the answers right now, but beginning to have the discussion is a life send. You know, otherwise medicine is really rapidly advancing. And so now it's not that you just simply pass away, oftentimes through sadly some incidences, you could find yourself or you can find a loved one in the intensive care unit and up against some pressure to make some very tough choices. And so if you've at least had the conversation with your loved ones, there's at least a basis to begin to have those conversations as they arise in particular later in your life. So I think it's just extremely important to sit down with your loved ones to sort of consider it, but also to step back and take a little bit of time to learn what the church teaches on this, what good ethics is on this, so that you can sort of have a compass towards that path when you get to that point in
0: your life. And how did you become an expert on this topic? Is this something that you studied formally, or you just have a great interest in, or or why this topic with you?
2: Sure. So, my training, I graduated from seminary, was ordained a priest in 2015. I had a master's degree in theology and a master's of divinity. Shortly after that, I was asked to go back and continue my education. So, while I was serving as an associate pastor, I went back and got a secular master of science in biomedical ethics and a certification in Catholic healthcare ethics, just as a means of helping the priests here in St. Louis, the faithful here in St. Louis, in navigating some of these things. We've got a lot of Catholic hospitals. We have two medical schools here in St. Louis. And so I think the bishop was looking for somebody to have the training in theology and ethics. But, you know, this particular topic sort of came as I was finishing up my graduate degree. My pastor at the time had just come back from a philanthropy seminar, And he said wouldn't it be great if we could go ahead and have a conversation for our parishioners on this he said there's all kinds of people that are having these serious discussions and things like this who um you know they need to be able to have these discussions and so we said okay let's throw an event out together let's have a conversation with those in our parish who want to and we opened it up and we had 200 people register for the first one so much so we had to have a second one just to fill the people in the parish. And I think people are grateful when they take a little bit of time to have those discussions.
0: Yeah, and you had been here back in February, I think, right before COVID hit, you know, the the storm of COVID, and you had spoken at St. Rita Parish. And uh, do you do you travel a lot outside of the archdiocese? Is this part of your ministry that you travel around, or is it kind of unusual for you to be speaking outside of your flock, so to speak?
2: Sure. So my primary mission as a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, first off, is to my parishioners here at St. Theodore and Flint Hill, but also to the priest who I'm blessed to serve as the Director of Continuing Formation. That is my primary responsibility given to me by my bishop. However, with this knowledge, I do a fair amount of traveling, talking to people of different backgrounds on these topics, because I think it's important. Um, I'm very grateful to have a bishop who sees the missionary vision of the Church and recognizes the importance in not only building up the church here in St. Louis, but across the country as well.
0: Yeah, and your talk is on principles of Catholic bioethics, and I want to get into some of those principles and maybe some of the specifics of what you're planning on speaking about during this online webinar. Again, Father Peter Fonseca is my guest. He'll be hosting the one of four of these online webinars, and his will be Monday, September 21st, 7 to 8 p.m., and I'll give you a few more details about how you can register, and they do want you to register for this. Before we get into the particulars, let's just talk about Basic principles, when we look at uh, bioethics, you know, from bird's eye view, what are some of the basic principles that we should have in mind?
2: Sure, I think the first thing to stop is to, to remember that all of the church's moral teaching is rooted in the respect and the dignity of every human person. To recognize that every human person is created in the image and likeness of God We're redeemed in Jesus Christ, and we share that common destiny, God willing, of spending eternity with God forever in heaven. So we have to situate all of our discussion within the dignity and the sanctity of every human person. It's God who gives us life, and he's adopted us as sons and daughters of his, and he was willing to go to the cross and suffer and die so that we could have eternal life. And I think when we keep that big picture in perspective, it helps us when we get down into some of those nitty-gritty conversations. I think we get ourselves into trouble when we lose fact, we lose sight of the fact that who each and every person is, whether that's a patient, whether that's ourselves, whether that's a loved one, each and every one of us is creating God's image and likeness. And Jesus reminds us in the scriptures, what you do to the least one of these, you do unto me. And so this chance and opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ in the sick and in the infirmed. And I think if you keep that in mind a lot of the more difficult questions become a little bit of simpler to have.
0: Yeah, certainly. And when we talk about Catholic bioethics, how would you describe that and what are some of the key parts of that discussion and perhaps that you'll be speaking about in the 21st?
2: Sure. So I think the first thing to realize is that the church, we're very blessed to live in the Catholic Church, divinely inspired, divinely protected by the Holy Spirit, and to recognize that The church gives us these moral guides as a way to live well. The church wants what is best for us. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas, oftentimes considered one of the greatest thinkers in our church, he defines sin as saying God is only offended by us when we act against our own good. God loves us. God wants what's best for us. And so these rules and these guidance of the church are to help us, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense. And so I think that's the first thing, to situate it within the context of our church, to situate it within the context of a God who loves us, who cares for us, and who wants what's best for us. Then when we step back and we begin to look at things specifically, I think we have to realize, okay, well, what are our requirements? And I think there's three major ones. One, we don't want to commit any evil. We want to try and prevent any evil. And if there is evil, we want to correct. And so I think when we take that sort of bird's eye view of what is bioethics, It's a practical application of church teaching, of good, sound reasoning towards the examples that we see in medicine and in the treatment of the human person. And so this presentation is designed looking at the end of life to give you just a couple basic principles. So we'll stop for a moment. We'll ask yourself, what does it mean to actually act? What makes an action good or bad? Then we'll move on and say, okay, well, there's sometimes when an action is good, but it has these bad unintended consequences. For example, maybe needing to take morphine at the end of our life, which can, in some cases, speed up the case of death. Is that okay? So we'll look at that from sort of a bird's-eye view of what does it mean to have an action or what makes an action good or bad. And then we'll get into some of the specifics. For example, what does the church mean when she talks about ordinary and extraordinary care, or proportionate and disproportionate care? What does the church teach on artificial nutrition and hydration? The church's reasonings behind physician-assisted suicide, as well as what does it mean to actually pass away? What about donating of organs and tissue? And then we'll conclude with just a final discussion on advanced directives. What are some of the documents I can prepare now to make sure that if my time comes and I can't make my choices, that my wishes and desires are respected? So it's a comprehensive vision. We just touched the surface. The hope is to spark a conversation. That Hopefully it sparks some questions inside the people who participate in this webinar and they get a chance to go back and talk with their family, perhaps talk with their pastor back home if they still have questions and really begin to get a plan in place for them.
0: And I listen. I watched a, I guess, a video podcast of your talk at St. Rita from earlier this year, and you you made a statement that really caught my attention. You said, death is changing. And it sounds like a provocative statement, but I, I thought once you explained what you were talking about, it made a lot of sense. What does that mean that death is changing?
2: Sure. You know, even when we talk about death today, I think oftentimes we use the word that so and so passed away which is true. But when you think of medicine in the past, it was sort of people would go to sleep and they would die. But now medicine is rapidly advancing. We have all kinds of technology. We have all kinds of drugs that can keep people alive longer, which is good. I think many of us are only alive today because of some medical intervention earlier in our life. I know that's certainly true in my life. But with these goods, things become a little more complicated. So for example. It's not just I've passed away. Well, what happens if my heart is beating by a machine, but there's no activity in my brain? Am I still alive? Or it used to be that if you got a certain kind of cancer, there was no treatment option at all for them. Well, now what about this treatment option that might keep me alive for six months or a year? Do I need to undergo those very painful treatments? How do I determine what medical care I need and what I don't? And so as the medicine gets better, it's good for us. It helps us live fuller, more active lives. But it also comes with some more complex questions as those advances are put into practice in our daily lives.
0: Yes. There's a lot of people that may think, uh, you know, this, this talk is going to be really good for those people who are in their 80s or 90s or, you know, really at the, the, the door of, you know, uh, eternity, so to speak. But a lot of people, maybe in my age category, in their 40s or 50s, are going to have situations where they're going to be the caretakers of somebody. They might be the one that are going to be executing these decisions or making the decisions. So uh, who, who, do you, who do you hope is going to tune in or who, who are you going to be targeting for for your your talk on the 21st
2: sure that's a good point of course those who are aging and maybe facing some of these medical issues i think that presentation will be helpful for them but i think it'll also be helpful for the people you mentioned the caregivers i tell people all the time i am a durable power attorney for health for like five priests in the archdiocese of st louis i think it's just because they think i do ethics i might be good <laughs> um but you know even for my parents and things like this but further you know one of the biggest shocks for me as a priest Um, And I've been a priest now about five years. I went to a very good seminar, was blessed with great training. But one of the biggest shocks to me was how death affects families when plans aren't made. And I would see it time and time again where there would be a funeral and things would be fine, but then Christmas season would be rolling around. And somebody would say, Father, can I come and see you? I've got some things I need to talk about. And we start talking and say, you know – mom's death has really caused a rift in our family. And I don't know how we're going to get together for Christmas. It might've been material things. It might've been mom said I could have this blanket, but my brother also said mom could have the blanket. Mom probably told him they both could have the blanket, but it means something to them because there were no plans or even more sad. People will come up and say, you know, father, I kind of feel like I made the wrong choice with my mom. Or they'll say, you know, my brother now thinks I killed mom because I made this medical decision. And so two things. One, for those who are older, make each of those plans. That's one of the best gifts you can leave your families, to leave those plans, give them a sense of peace in those difficult times, but also for those younger people as well, so that you don't have to make rash decisions in an intensive care unit or in an emergency room, but that you have some time to think about these principles ahead of time. Begin to think how the church thinks. Begin to make these things, not just for yourself, but also for those you might be called upon to be making decisions for.
0: Yes, Father Peter Fonseca is my guest from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. He is going to be doing a live online webinar, one of four in a series. The first one, in fact, begins uh, today being Labor Day, a week from today on the 14th uh, with Father Jason Cargo, one of our beloved local priests from St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson. His is going to be called Pastoral Care of the Sick and Dying. Thursday, September 20, I'm sorry, Thursday, September 17th will be Michael Lynch, who will talk on legal considerations, ensuring your wishes are followed, and then uh, Father Peter Fonseca on Monday, September 21st, Principles of Catholic Bioethics. And then it's going to wrap up on Thursday, September 24th. Funeral service and cemetery planning with Chris Taylor and uh, Michael George from the Catholic Foundation, I believe, is going to be MCing or involved in all these as well. Uh, registration is uh, necessary and spaces are limited. So go to CatholicFoundation.com or call 972 331 1645, 972-331-1645. I'll give that information out one more time before we wrap up this interview. And Father Peter, I, I think perhaps, and you can tell me if you agree, more and more uh, people are beginning to look at traditional Catholic Church teaching and saying, gosh, I, I, they're just not you know, we we should be able to put grandma's quote out of her misery like we can our German shepherd or it's the most merciful thing to do. Why is the church so antiquated? And you know what I mean? It's, it's sometimes some people may have a hard time defending the Catholic Church's teaching as being the right thing to do. Uh, do you see that becoming more of an issue where people are kind of going with the flow of the culture and not really understanding those basic principles of Catholic teaching?
2: I see that more and more. You know, sadly many states are in the process of or have already included things like physician assisted suicide. And I oftentimes people you know, people will say the church's teaching is outdated. She needs to come up to the times. But nothing can be further from the truth. You know, faith and reason both come to us from God. There is no contradiction between faith and reason. That's the beauty of my study. I have a master's degree in theology and a master's degree in science and bioethics, and I've never found a point where they conflict. A few years ago I did a television interview for on a state that was working to bring about physician-assisted suicide. And when I met with the interviewer, she kind of looked at my resume, and she said, well, how do you sleep at night? I said, I sleep very well. And she said, no, you know, you've got, you've got religion and you've got science. Like, how is this playing out in your brain? And I said, it all fits together like a perfect puzzle. God is the author of life. Thus, all life comes from God. There can never be a, com- a conflict between faith and reason. And as I've worked with medical professionals and theologians, I have never once found a place where faith and reason contradict. As a matter of fact, we find that when people make choices that are unethical or immoral, there's oftentimes suffering that comes with that. It goes back to that very basic principle that God loves us and that God wants what is best for us. And thus, sometimes there's pain and there's sorrow involved. You know, death is sad, but it doesn't mean that pain and suffering are hard to bear. But there is a good that can come out of that. And so I think we have to get to a level where we trust that God loves us. God cares for us. He died for us on a cross. He shows us how much he loves us. And he's left us a church to guide us back home to himself. You know, I oftentimes tell people death is the most important moment in our life. We pray for it all the time. Now and at the hour of our death, amen, we ask our Blessed Mother to pray for us. And that's because it's that last chance for conversion or a chance for us to reject God. God has done his part. He loves us unconditionally. And he tells us, you will love me if you keep my commandments. He shows us the path of salvation. And these rules actually make us freer. They open us up so that we can live life fully and not get caught in some of the traps that our culture leaves us in today.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think some people think the Catholic Church, uh, our goal is just to keep people alive as long as we possibly can under any means necessary. And obviously, that's not what the Catholic Church says. And I just have a few minutes here and I want to just speak about, uh, you know, the talking about death with our, our elderly parents or, uh, you know, having our own conversations about death and really seeing it as not so much the end of a temporal life, but as really the beginning of eternal life. And there should be even a joy or an anticipation when we speak about topics relating to death. Would you agree?
2: I certainly agree. I think we, and that's an important thing to remember is that this life is not all that it is. We are a pilgrim people. We are moving through this life, God willing to spend eternity with God forever in heaven. Our choices now make that determination. But life is not the end. Eternal life is the end. We're not just pro-life. We're pro-eternal life. The two go hand in hand. And so I think when we have those conversations with our loved ones, that's an important aspect to highlight. And yet the conversation can be a little awkward but it's an essential conversation and the sooner we have it in the, the in the comfort of our own homes and the comfort of our own time, the better off we are so we don't have to have these conversations in more difficult situations. But we want to keep that goal of heaven first and foremost. You know, it makes no sense to run a marathon if you don't know where the finish line is. It makes no sense to build a bridge if I, if I don't know what the bridge is supposed to look like. And so in some ways, we have to keep heaven, the ultimate goal of our life, at the forefront. And as we do, a lot of these difficult conversations come into perspective. Just, just recently, I was privileged to work with a man who was dying of pancreatic cancer, a very painful cancer. And he would have very serious pain episodes. And I would, I would pray with him and I would be with him. And as he would move through these episodes, You know, he would always remind me, say, you know, I'm going to see God before you do. <laughs> and my response was always, well, keep me in your prayers when you get to heaven because I hope to meet you there. Yeah. You know, I think the, you know, the greatest thing we can say The greatest goal, in whether it's my life teaching, whether it's my life presentation, whether it's my service here at the parish, or my service to the priest, the Archdiocese, is my hope is that when I get to heaven, God willing, I will see all these people I've been blessed to touch, and they'll be able to honestly look at me and say, you helped form me into a saint. And I think each and every one of us, in our own vocation and in our own way, if that's our outreach and our charity to others, it just puts everything in a perspective for how we're supposed to act.
0: Yes. Amen. Wow, what a great way to close this out. Uh, Father Peter Fonseca, thanks so much. Uh, You're you're so gifted at speaking, and I think uh, this is going to be a really valuable and important uh, webinar. It's only an hour long, so it's going to go by fast. It will be live, which means that you can interact. I know Michael George really reiterated that he wanted it to be live. It's not a pre-recorded session, so you can have a Q&A session to speak with Father Peter Fonseca. Again, his presentation will be Monday september 21st two weeks as of the the the, the airing of this uh, this interview here um principles of catholic bioethics quality of life and the dignity of the human person and don't forget the first of the four will be one week from today monday september 14th pastoral care of the sick and dying uh with father jason cargo speaking on our faith sacramental graces for the journey, you can register and you need to register for each one of these individually, CatholicFoundation.com, or you can call 972-331-1645. Uh, Father Peter, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? And I, I do thank you very much for t- for being on the program today. Anything else before we say goodbye to you?
2: Sure. I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to join you. You know, as you kind of mentioned, I was down in Dallas earlier this year. It was a great joy, uh, great spirit at St. Rita. So even though travel is pretty restricted with COVID, I'm looking forward to meeting people online. Know of my prayers for all of you leading up to this. If you do take that webinar, I hope you are interactive. We all have questions, and that makes it more fun and more pertinent. If there are more practical questions at the end of that presentation, I always do give my email out. I always tell people, it was the great people the Archdiocese of St. Louis who have paid for all my master's degrees. Therefore, (laughs) the best I can do is offer it back. So, looking forward to being with everyone down in Dallas, even while I stay in St. Louis, and looking forward to a great webinar coming up.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Father Peter Fonseca. Again, it's going to be Monday, September 21st, beginning at 7 p.m. Register at CatholicFoundation.com. And you're listening to the Labor Day program of The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM.
1: With gratitude to our donors, past and present, the Catholic Foundation is pleased to serve as a broadcast sponsor of the DFW Sunday Televised Mass throughout 2020. A trusted giving vehicle for 65 years, the Catholic Foundation serves its donors, the Catholic community, and more. Because we're a community foundation, we know about ongoing and emerging needs, including Catholic and non-Catholic interests locally and nationally. It's a simple concept. Donors create a fund with us. From those funds, schools are built... Churches are supported and compassion is given to the needy. Scholarships provide top quality education and religious programs are supported. Join our donors and partner with us to assure your charitable support is most effective. Contact us when you sense it's time to give back. You're invited to be a part of our family of donors dedicated to compassionate charitable giving, both for the present and for the future. It's what our faith is about. Together, we are the foundation.
0: Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Good News Show on this Labor Day. I hope you're having a relaxing day. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, we have three segments in the program today all focusing on life, life and death and preserving life and end of life. And uh, we're going to wrap up now. Uh, speaking to two friends that I've gotten to know over the last year or two and they are from the Fort Worth Diocese. Augustina Madu Odedica is from St. Bartholomew Parish in the Fort Worth Diocese and uh, Mazzi Charles Owuzzi is from St. Michael's Parish in Bedford. And they both come from Nigeria and they have a great passion for letting people know what's going on over there because there is a genocide that's happening and it, it's very near and dear to their heart and they want uh, people to realize that we all get distracted by things here in America, but there are things going on in other parts of the world that we need to be aware of. So welcome to both of you and thanks for spending some time with us on this Labor Day uh, program. Thank you
3: Thank very you. much for allowing
0: us. Um, Augustina, you... Um, emailed me recently and talked about a particular incident, uh a tragic incident in Nigeria, where 21 people were killed. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think things like this are too unusual in Nigeria. But tell us about that, that particular incident and how it relates to the, the crisis that's happening in that country.
3: That particular incident was orchestrated by the Joint uh, Army and Navy and other armed forces of the Nigerian government in Emene, in Enugu province of Nigeria. And what happened was there were people in um, a church, St. St. Joseph's Catholic Church, and there is an adjacent secondary school, St. Patrick's secondary school who were uh, praying and exercising early in the morning on Sunday. And as they were praying, they were descended upon by military forces in full riot gear and started shooting, just started shooting into the young men who were assembled and praying and doing exercises. And as that went on, the, at that point, it was about 7 a.m. in the morning, and there were uh, people coming to Mass at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And as people who were coming to Mass started hearing about this incident, as they got closer, they were tear-gassed, and so tear gas uh, fume filled the air, and then the young men, as they ran, were being shot at. And so the shooting went into the crowds that were coming to church. And usually at, in my place, we walk to church. Many of us walk to church. Many of us ride our bicycles to church. And some of us drive to church. So this you can imagine what kind of uh, mayhem this will cause as people were trying to go to church. And there were some people already there. And between the secondary school... St. Patrick's Secondary School and, and the St. Joseph's Catholic Church. A large crowd was trying to transition into mass, and people maybe coming, going around to do other activities that we do on Sunday mornings while this is going on. So there was a large crowd that was being shot into, and as a matter of fact, about 21 people died in that incident.
0: That's horrible.
3: And why? Yes, why this is really special is that you will hear in the Middle Belt and some parts of southern Nigeria, you will hear that um, Fulani herdsmen or uh, some other bandits or some other terrorist groups are attacking churches. This one was mitigated by the Nigerian military forces. You could see them. And there were uh, photographs and videographs. And it was all over the media that morning as we were here and still asleep. They were killing our people back home. That is and horrible. When we woke up, yes, when we woke up, it was an uproar across our community everywhere in the world. Yeah. And I especially would... here where I reside.
0: All right, thanks so much, Augustina. Charles, let me bring you into the conversation, and obviously there's no justification for what has happened, especially by the military, but what would they say? Why are they doing this? Why do they have this kind of animus against Catholics in that part of the country?
6: There is no justification. and uh, But what we can deduce from their action is that they want to depopulate de- the Christian population, so that by the time they want to carry out their full Islamization, which is going to be very violent, there won't be young men who can really uh, resist them. Just like uh, Dr. Tina said, these youth were in their place of worship and uh, exercise. They disrupted it. We are concerned because this is coming from government. Before now, they used to do it by engineering youths that they call Alamajiri or by using of um, Boko Haram terrorist group or or ISIS. But now it's government. The commissioner for police was the one interviewed on what happened, and he said he got hint that these young people were gathering there. So he mobilized the Air Force, the, the, the Navy, the Army, to go and disperse them. And when they came there, they started shooting and shooting life bullets on these young people. At the end of the day, on that Sunday, 21 people lay dead. And a lot of them are also dying because of uh, of gun wounds. So that is why in MNA, in Enugu state in our region, uh, we regard that as a black... Sunday, because it has government footprint, and now they are not they want to wish away that news because the whole world is condemning them for that, so they started uh, going trying to go to house to house uh, arresting and harassing uh, Christian youths all over the country
0: amazing uh, augustina. Uh, Charles just said the whole world is watching, the world is scrutinizing what's going on. A- at the same time, I think here in America, a lot of people may not even have any idea. That, that-, that must be frustrating. And obviously, you're doing your part uh, to get the word out. What else needs to be done? What can the average person who's listening right now do to try to highlight these atrocities in Nigeria?
3: We really need some actions from Christian loving families and people we need our christian brothers and sisters all over the world and especially here in the united states to help us get this word out that they're killing us in numbers they're killing us for no reason we are not armed we cannot resist them in any way but to talk to your uh representatives to your senators please talk to uh uh, president trump if you can get the ears of these people who can make policies, who can help us. We need help now before they truly kill all of us, because that's what they want. Mm. They want our young men. This, these people are between the ages of 19 to 25. They're killing them in numbers. Even as we were speaking about the MNA in the state incident, they went and carried another incident that at another location last Sunday, or no, before before last Sunday, they went and carried off a whole lot of young men again and took them to army barracks at night, in the middle of the night. What they are trying to do, just like my brother said, is to take away our strength, just in case when they attack us, we will have no body to resist them. Mm. So... We want Christians to please not only pray, but to please tell your senators, tell your representatives that this homo uh, genocide is happening in the land of Nigeria, especially in the Southern part of Nigeria. And now where we call Biafra and if they hear anything about the indigenous peoples of Biafra, that makes them even more insane. They kill us in numbers. And, and all we want is freedom, yes. freedom to be able to worship when God as we know how to worship God in our Catholic churches and in all the other Christian churches in the southern part of Nigeria and if they will allow in the northern part of Nigeria as
0: well. Well, I thank both of you for being on, and I want to ask uh, Charles or or Augustine to tell, give us a website, or if people are listening want to just educate themselves or learn more, I'll ask you that just a second. Again, Augustine and Madu Odidika and uh, Mazzi Charles-Uwuzi, both from Nigeria, and they both now live in North Texas and worship in the Fourth Diocese. Um, Charles, is there a website, or where should people go to learn more?
6: Yes. Um, our website is www.ipob.usa.org.
0: Okay, ipob.usa.org, is that right?
6: That co- yes.
0: Okay, dot .org, okay. Thanks to both of you. I know it's uh, it's an unpleasant topic, but it's a necessary topic that we need to continue to talk about, and you know we're at your service, and we'll continue to uh, inform people here in North Texas about uh, this important issue of genocide in nigeria so please pray uh do something and visit that website as well and that's going to bring us to an end to this good news program i want to thank all the guests we covered a lot of ground in the last hour and uh, also thanks to diane xavier running the board and also cecil anderson has been uh, a part of this program as well and visit our website uh, grnonline.com to find out more about uh, the Guadalupe radio network and don't forget that a week from this coming Tuesday we begin our sherathon the fall sherathon celebrating twenty years from September 15th through the eighteenth and we ask you to call in support Catholic Radio and the Guadalupe Radio network so that we can continue to highlight and bring you news and information and things that are going on locally and as we Approved the last 10, 12 minutes internationally as well. Uh, we need the voice of Catholic Radio, and we need your support to stay on the air. Uh, so the share begins Tuesday, September 15th, beginning at 7 o'clock. Thank you very much for participating and listening to the program. This has been the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Labor Day. God bless you.
1: Truly, you are the Son of God. Believe in all that Jesus says. Place your marriage in His hands by attending the next Worldwide Marriage Encounter weekend. Worldwide Marriage Encounter is a weekend for married Christian couples who value their relationship and desire a richer, fuller life together. The next weekend will be Friday, September 11th through Sunday, September 13th. To apply for a weekend, visit dfwme.org slash apply. For questions, call 469-444-0904.
2: Incredible True Story is now a powerful, uplifting motion picture event. Fatima, in 1917, the world needed hope when three children received a miracle.
0: Who are you? I come from heaven.
2: Fatima has now been endorsed by the Shrine of Fatima, featuring the original song Grazia Plena, performed by Andrea Bocelli. Fatima, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Now in theaters and on demand.
2: Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Do you think it would be easier to walk in your faith journey alone or alongside others? Scripture teaches us that we are meant to be in community. Pope Francis recently commented that fraternity is essential to the human quality. The number one Catholic fraternity is the Knights of Columbus, and they have made it easier than ever to join. By joining, your family will enjoy a wide array of membership benefits, like a subscription to the largest Catholic publication, the Columbia Magazine. You can go online right now and become a member. Go to knights.net. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. K-A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.